Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voice Equals Power podcast, where we explore the big question. How does an artist find their voice? I am your host, Nicholas Krolak. If you like what you hear today, you can keep up to date with my travels through Sonic Space and my website, nicholaskrolak.com, or on Instagram at nicholas underscore Krolak. Today's episode is brought to you by Riccardi's Violin Shop. I've been bringing my basses to Rob Riccardi for years, from basic setups, rehairing bows, and gluing seams, to the major overhaul he recently did on my carved bass. Rob has always kept my basses in great shape and sounding their best. Located in South Jersey, a stone's throw away from Philadelphia, is an added bonus that will save you time and money for all your string repair needs. Check them out at ricardiviolinshop.com. My guest today is saxophonist Yese Faraha Ali. He is one of Philadelphia's most in-demand players, whether he's holding it down with Omar's hat at their World Cafe Live residency or touring the world with Lauren Talese. Yese brings a diversity of musical styles and master-level storytelling to any situation. In our conversation, we talked about his five favorite albums of all time, dealing with the quarantine, staying positive, future projects, and much more. Yes, Ali, man. Thanks for taking the time to be on the on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. It's my pleasure, bro. I'd like to start with, I, I mean, I haven't seen you in a couple months, at least since the quarantine started, so... Um, I just like to know what what you've been up to. Um, this whole time's been re- reminding me of a uh, of a Steve Coleman uh, article I read kind of recently, where he was talking about making the most out of the the downtimes. You know, because things things aren't popping all the time. So um, to really make the make the most out of the da- downtimes, and you know, there's so many ways to make the most out of out of time so yeah just what what have you been up to how have you been staying sane and uh how, you know how are you <laughs> man I'm, I'm i'm good man i've you know uh amidst all the negativity in the world you know personally mm-hmm. you know i can't complain given the circumstances you know i've just been trying to just stay cre- creative creatively motivated with just staying in the shed and trying to write more and create more virtually <laughs> with with yeah. fellow musicians it's a, it's a different task and you you know before we got on the call I told you I'm not the most tech savvy individual so it, this is all a learning process for myself as well so just trying to get that under my fingers as well is it's it's fun 
but it's also like I said, it's a different thing. So trying to learn learn more in that field and trying to spend a lot of time with family. Yeah, man, trying to trying to just digest and digest everything that's going on in the world and just try to better myself in many different areas of my life. Just trying to make sure I'm spiritually and mentally and physically well as well. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like if, if there was a time, if there was any time to, you know, get ourselves together, it, it definitely would be right now in, in the most craziest ways. And I feel like for me personally, I've just been going nonstop for a long, long time. So, you know, I, I in a weird way, this is all kind of a, a, a divine timing type of situation. But, mm. you know, I'm, I'm just trying to make the most of it and just trying to stay optimistic as much as I can throughout all of this thing. Man. Yeah, that, that's one of the things I always, uh, always appreciate about you is like whenever we're on, on the bandstand together or, or, you know, just in your, in your social media posts in general, they're always so positive and uplifting, um, you know, for, for everybody. And you're so just like open about, you know, feeling a certain way about a certain thing. And, uh, I, I think that's the thing that's kind of missing. I would like to see more of in, in, in the jazz and music world in general. I feel like a lot of musicians, uh, uh, kind of keep that, that in that kind of stuff in and don't, don't really like share it. Um, so I, I always, always appreciate that about you, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, what, what are some of the things you've, uh, been working on, uh, just like particular things you've been shedding, um, during this time? Really, man, just getting back to, why I fell in love with music in the first place, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just going back to just having that time being home. You know, I I have more of a a a freedom, a musical freedom, you know, more now than you know before this thing even happened. Because I'm focused, you know, I'm not solely just focused on shedding music for gigs or sessions or rehearsals or anything of that nature, rather than, you know, rather that coming here into the quarantine, it's like, man, like, I, I need to regain uh, a, a certain love that I once had, like, before, like, the grind, you know what I mean? Because I felt mm-hmm. like I lost that personally, you know, I, I kind of fell out of love <laughs> with, yeah, with, with music and, and, the, and the process and the shedding process, so I'm like, man, I just need to go back to why I fell in love with music in the first place. So, man, I, I I transcribed a lot growing up. So just back in the transcribing, transcribing grind and listening more. I've been listening a lot more, <laughs> a lot. And it, it, it feels like so liberating just to listen to the things that I want to listen to and transcribe the things that I want to transcribe. Getting back into technical exercises, different etudes, trying to keep the chops the chops up in that regard. Um getting back to the basics, um, different scalar exercises and arpeggio exercises and learning flute. I'm I'm um 
Well, I've I've already learned how to play flute back in the day, but I lost touch. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So getting back into the flute grind. Um I've been writing more. Uh I I told myself twenty twenty was gonna be the year of me putting out some original music. So mm-hmm. I definitely been doing more of that uh lately. Um that's pretty much been it, man. And yeah. just I'm just I'm slowly finding more and more motivation each day to find something new to share. And, yeah, that that has been a uh, I I hear that a lot uh, among um, uh, younger musicians after they get out of out of uh, the school time or the the deep shed time and then the, then they're in the grind. Um, that's a totally different mindset where you're t- constantly being bombarded with you got to learn this for this gig and that for that gig and you it's it's harder to maintain like a like a longer term uh project say like a like a long term transcription that you know is going to take a long time to get down you know and just being with it every day day after day after day um yeah that that is a uh, one of the uh one of the advantages i guess of this situation is taking taking the time to really be with like the same material day to day and like really grow with it uh you you mentioned mentioned going back to uh what made you fall in love with music in the first place uh could you talk about like your experience of falling in love with music in yeah well i guess it all stemmed from my parents really um, they're, they're, well, my father is a musician. He plays, um, primarily djembe and African drums, but he also plays harmonica, he plays flute. Uh, he's a storyteller. So that, that's, I, that, that, that mainly stand, stem from him. And, and he's well known in the music community in Philly, so. I, I guess he he took me under his wing really young at a at an early age, just exposed me to a lot of things just in the music scene in Philly, but just also music in general. Like my first jazz album was a Love Supreme. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> going going right off the deep end. Right right off the bat, man. Like as soon <laughs> as soon as he saw that I wanted to take interest in playing the sax, he was like, you know, I'm gonna get you hip to Bird and I'm gonna get you hip to Train. So right off the bat, I Love Supreme was the very first jazz album I've ever heard. And then my mom, you know, it, I come from a family of all music lovers in general. So I actually, <laughs> just a, a brief side note, I'm the youngest of seven, the youngest of seven, seven kids. And all of my older siblings did play an instrument at one point in their life. But um, once they got to college, they pursued something else. So music was really all... All, all around in my household growing up. Um, my mother, like I said, my mother, she's not a musician, but she's definitely a music lover. So as soon as I got a Love Supreme, my mom gave me the Giant Steps album. So it's like a double whammy with trains. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just like, man, okay. And then on top of that, uh, around the time uh, the movie Ray came out, so I went to go see that, and then ironically... Fathead Newman, David Fathead Newman. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, Ray's side man for 
long, long time. He was performing at Zanzibar Blue back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I went to go see him while Ray, while Ray was out. I got the double whammy of train. And one of my older brothers, he had a saxophone. And he just lent it down to me. I was just like, wow, this is all. <laughs> this is coming into fruition. This is divine timing, like I said. Yeah, later. so absolutely. Yeah, about, about how uh, about how old were you at, at that point? Around like eight, eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I was like, wow. So yeah, just just my my interest, you know, of training just right off the bat, mm-hmm. like just digging deep in the giant steps. I remember the first time hearing giant steps. I'm just like, man, what, what is, what is this? <laughs> what is, what yeah. is going on? Like, you know, like, and, and, you know, at that age, just starting out, like, you know, like, I, I feel like hearing everything else in like a traditional way or, or traditional bop way or a standard it's like you get accustomed to hearing that, but giant steps. When I heard giant steps, it just like turned my whole world upside down. I'm just like, yo, what is what is he doing? Mm. You know, I could feel that at a young age. I didn't know technically what was going on, mm-hmm. but I could feel like, yo, this is this is something crazy. <laughs> so right off the bat, it's just train. It, it, it made me want to dig deep more in the train, and then from there, you know, I I. I you know, but well, by the help of my father as well, just exposing me to Bird and then Dexter Gordon and then Miles and then taking it to a whole nother realm. He exposed me to Fela, Kuti. Mm-hmm. He exposed me to Abdul Ibrahim, uh, Eric Dolphy. Just, just the, the more and more I went in depth to wanting to learn more about the tradition and the history of jazz music the more he exposed me to the different realms and the different sides of the the, the musicians that were out here within the realm. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I had that influence and the other side of it was through my siblings. Because growing up, that was like, what, 2000s? So I I, I have, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm the only 90s baby in the house. So all, all of my other influences were coming from the 80s babies in in my siblings so i heard jay dilla i heard wu-tang clan uh just all all, all the hip-hop around erica badu mm-hmm. jill scott my mom she would play the soul and the r&b stuff so otis redden ray charles stevie michael jackson so I I just got exposed to many different genres of music at just such a young age. So. Yeah, I, I feel like when, when I think of you, you're you're playing. Um, I I think a lot about the the diversity of of influence that you have, and you know, you any musical situation, you just you just you just jump right in there, and 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 you're there. Um, in on your facebook page you have it was it was like a while back but you have a a list of your top five albums it's from a couple years ago and uh uh, i'm gonna read them out i'm gonna i and i want you to 
um, if anything has changed since then, uh, you feel free to update your top five. But um, I'd also like to hear kind of what the, the common thread between them is for you. Because they're very, very all over the place. Um, first one is a Love Supreme train. Uh, number two, you have the college dropout, Kanye. Three, you have songs in the key of life, Stevie. Four is off the wall, Michael Jackson. Five is to pimp a, to pimp a bu- uh, sorry to pimp a butterfly, Kendrick Kendrick Lamar. So I was wondering if the if that has changed at all. That's the same, okay. And and so what is like the commonality for you that makes them all in the top five? Spiritually, it hits so different than anything else that I've listened to. Like, I'll I'll go down the list with you. Mm -hmm. I love Supreme. Musically, intensity, spiritually, it just, that whole project couldn't have conveyed that message of that album any more deeply. You know what I mean? And like I said, at a young age, I was exposed to that as well as Giant Steps. So that was another flip, you know, to the traditional straight ahead into that realm of expression. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, yo, okay, this is is something heavy. Like, I can't quite explain it, but I feel this. Mm. Like, I am gravitated towards this sound and this side of train and what he had to say musically what he went through in his life like i was really like researching like his background i, I remember doing a school project on train as soon as i heard a love supreme just really digging deep in his background his church upbringing and the spiritual upbringing and you know his dealings and, and his downfalls and you know the his addiction to drugs and his relationship with his wife. Like, I was really studying up, like, with everything. So that really hit home in not just a technical term through the horn, but just, like, how to the how, how to express yourself as well. You know what I mean? That gave mm-hmm. me a blueprint, personally. It's like, okay, I can go here with it? Okay, that just opened a whole new door. Mm-hmm. So, train... That was one. I think the second one you said was College Dropout, right? Yeah, yep. College Dropout came out in 04. I remember hearing College Dropout, man, I think I was in second grade. (laughs) 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 Jesus Christ. I was eight, right? So the brother brother that's the next oldest in in line, he's he's eight years older than me. So he was in... um, he was in high school at the time, so I remember he had the CD of College Dropout, and he was bumping in the, in the house, so I'm just like, yo, who who is that? He was like, that's Kanye West. I was like, Kanye, 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 okay. So I heard it with him, and, you know, later on, as as, as I grew older, I, I just learned more of Kanye's style, 
I, I guess for lack of a better term, just the way he samples tracks is something crazy. I'm just like, man, the more I heard more of Kanye, I'm just like, oh, snap. He he took that and flipped that this way. Like, I was just, I was just mind blown of, of his process in, in that regard. And I was just gravitated towards, like, the genius side of just him knowing a lot of music and producing a lot of music and taking ideas from many, like, many different waves and many different genres and making it into his own sound. Like, I feel like musically he was apologetic, unapologetic in that way. And of course, you know, he's just un- 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 unapologetic dude mm-hmm. in general. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and people people may have, you know, their, their ups and downs with Kanye and their personal views on him. But musically, like, I, I feel like he's, he's definitely changed the game in, in so many ways, especially for me, just in, in the production field as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so college dropout number two, number three. I think you said songs in the key of life, right? Yep. Man, another one. Just when I was young, my mom used to play a lot of Stevie, a lot of Stevie, and a lot of Prince. But back then, I, I wasn't really, I, I I wasn't really gravitated towards Prince like that. That was that was a little bit too mature for <laughs> my young <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I'm gonna wait on Prince. <laughs> but Stevie, I you know Stevie is just he he's timeless, man. I feel like Stevie, everything Stevie put out, is just so timeless. I remember um, my mom used to always play songs in the key of life, Inner Visions, Talking Book, and Characters. I think that that was the name of the album. Characters, it's like mid eighties Stevie, kind of later mm-hmm. Stevie album. But I remember songs in the key of life. I remember it had a, it was a double disc. It was a double disc CD. But just every song, like as for as long as the album was, every song was just like, it took me on a different journey. Mm-hmm. And again, intensity. You can hear the intensity in the music. You can hear the spiritual side in the music. You can hear the stories. And it, you know, throughout throughout history it whatever any song that Stevie had it went with the times that he was in so you can really hear like what was going on back in back in the day in the 60s civil rights era like he had that message going to 80s you know the whatever that was happening in the 80s like with I'm, I'm not too too hip but it's like in the slight depression phase or like reminiscent of like the Great Depression like he talked about that talked about getting through and talked about life he talked about love he talked about connecting you know all of us together I'm just like yeah okay I I felt that I definitely felt that Songs in the Kid Life had many different positive messages within that Mm. one album and I, I was like okay yeah yeah, that that hit that hit different than any of the other Stevie albums. Mm-hmm. Any every in any Stevie album is is bar none. It was it's, it's killing, but definitely songs in the key of life for me. It did it for me. Um, off the wall, Michael Jackson. 
<laughs> again, my young age, my sister, my sister put me on to Michael Jackson to to off the wall to the, to this specific album. I, it's all around the same age too. I was like eight, eight nine, just chilling, sister bumping Michael Jackson throughout the house, and you know just by nature I knew who Michael Jackson was, just from you know his aura, just from his iconic stature. Just everybody talking about Michael Jackson, listening to Michael Jackson, but going back to Off the Wall, I think that was his one of his first albums. Mm-hmm. Where he became solo, right? Yep. So, I did just to hear early Michael. I mean, the musicality of of that album is crazy, <laughs> and the instrument, the instrumentation, the musicality of the album, the groove, the groove, the groove, in all of the songs, was so tight. Like even in the slow songs, everything just had. That that, um, and and that, just that thing, just, man. It 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 is, the the songs were just catchy. It was recognizable, but it also made you feel good. And it, it made you feel some type of emotion. Yeah. Yeah. For man. sure. Yeah, sir. That was that was, that was Quincy, right? Quincy produced that. That was Quincy. That was Quincy. Yeah. Yes, sir. And you know Quincy, yeah, you know he's the mastermind. <laughs> yeah, he is. So you mix those two minds together. That's what mm-hmm. that's what you're gonna get. You're gonna get nothing but greatness. <laughs> so off the wall to cook a butterfly, man. I mean, I mean, what 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 can you say, man? <laughs> I, I've I've always I've always been a fan of Kendrick. Like I remember my first introduction to Kendrick was Section Eighty. Then my homie, it was my home, my homie and mine. He, see, so he introduced me to Section Eighty. But then he took me back to Overly Dedicated, which was a mixtape of his before Section Eighty. And again, just like the element that Kanye had with the sampling, I felt like he had that element mixed with the elements of that West Coast sound. And just all the different influences in that regard, like Dre and Snoop and Easy E, like you can hear those influences as well as the old school influences as well and the sampling. So I was really intrigued, like early on in Kendrick. I was like, okay, this is he he's he's gonna be he's gonna be a force. Yeah. So I kept up with him from overly dedicated, Section Eighty, Good Kid, Mad City. A lot of people sleep on the Good Kid, Mad City, but that that also had a lot of a lot of bangers on that one as well. So I felt I felt like every album he progressed more and more and more. And then when Pippa Butterfly came out, that that came at such a unique time mm-hmm. in the world, just politically as well. So, man, it, it couldn't have come at a better time, and. No, no, I felt like at that point when it came out, no rapper was really pushing the envelope and going against the grain Mm -hmm. about all the issues in the world. With not just, just, just politically talking about the culture, talking about black culture, talking about oppression, 
in black culture, talking about being liberated and feeling liberated and, you know, connecting everyone together from all different backgrounds, talking about the gang wars and the gang life, trying to connect everyone in that circuit. It was just like, man, oof. <laughs> this, this, is, this is deep. This is really, really deep. And that just changed the game for hip-hop and for music in general. Very cool. Well, thanks for taking taking us through those those albums. Uh, I I asked uh, that that question um, because of a um, there, there's a, a thinker that that I'm really into who um, ha, has a podcast that actually this podcast is kind of based off of in format, and uh, he interviews elite performers. It doesn't really matter what they do exactly, you know, what their field is. Uh, could be artists, could be CEOs, could be musician, could be a baker, you know, it doesn't matter. They're all like top level. And his theory is that elite performers have more in common with other elite performers of other fields than they do with sub elite performers in their own field. So you having this, this list of albums that is very, uh, uh, very diversified, uh, in genre and influence and production and instrumentation. Um, it's very interesting to, to hear what the commonalities are because, you know, I, I extend that, uh, the theory of elite performers to elite works of art, like an elite work of art in one field has more in common with an elite work of art in another field than it does with, um, just like, okay, art in its own field. So, um, yeah, it was, is very interesting to hear here. It seemed to me that they all have something bigger. They all, uh, kind of culminate into, something that's bigger than their technical aspects. You know, you kind of mentioned each, each one having like a, um, like a spiritual thing that grabbed you. Um, so, uh, I'd like to pivot a little bit to, um, a, a topic I talk a lot about on this podcast, um, with certain guests, not all guests. So you are among the, the lucky few, um, but that's fashion, because um, you have uh, uh, a fashion sense uh, that I really dig, and you know, there's there's a lot of musicians that have zero fashion sense, and they're just like, I'm just wearing these clothes, and I'm just here, but um, I I think that how you look and how you present yourself is part of it. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that there's like one way to do it. It's that everybody should kind of, you know, be themselves and showcase, uh, themselves and how they want to be seen. But, uh, could you talk a little bit about like your fashion sense? People obviously cannot see you, uh, <laughs> on the podcast. So like a 
a, a short description and just like how you got in into fashion and like kind of what you're trying to what you're trying to put out there again just the same thing with music i i, I try to be diverse in everything really in in terms of fashion I guess my fashion sense derives from, uh, well, (laughs) I'll go down the list. Um, Andre 3000. Yes. Him, he's definitely, you talk about someone that's pushing the envelope. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, (laughs) I've seen some outfits like, Yo, what are you? What are you wearing? I just, it was like with Outkast. I'm just like, man, what is he wearing? But at the same time, it's like that's killing. Yeah. He can pull that off. Uh-huh. <laughs> man, he be wearing wigs on stage with with Outkast and just all the different like wearing a kilt, like wearing like all the 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 things that go against the grain. But it's him. He also has an element of him that he puts out it's just like okay that this is you like you're not you're not trying to be nobody else this is what you're working with so andre miles miles had style for days and his style mm-hmm. went with the times like he was clean clean cut suited and booted but when it came to just being casual like especially in the, the electric miles phase very centric like very like with the ascots and the shades and the the very colorful scheme he was working with like what what he portrayed and the mood that he portrayed it i i loved how he went with the times i just loved it i loved it my so miles andre uh nat king cole mm. man clean just a clean dude Every every time, every picture, every every showing of Nat King Cole, I've never seen that man not clean. Just perfection, man. Just 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 a, a true a true a true gentleman when it comes to just not only just on the bandstand but off the bandstand as well. Just his whole mannerisms. Um, Marvin Gaye, Marvin man. Smooth, one of one of the smoothest out here. Again, mm-hmm. just another one who was clean with a suit on, and just it was just him. He was unapologetic about what he wore, and it was it can be the most chillest thing. Like he can have the beanie on, with a t shirt and some jeans, but it'll be the most flyest thing ever. <laughs> just yeah. the flyest t shirt, beanie, jean combination, and he was just his aura was just so smooth. Um. Yeah, Marvin, Kanye, man. <laughs> to to till this day, I I my dream shoe, my dream sneaker is the um, the the Yeezys, the Nike Yeezys, that mm. came out in like the early twenty tens. It's it's a pink, black, and green high top sneaker. Till this day, I have never seen a sneaker like that gravitated me. That that gravitated towards me so much than the Nike Nike Yeezys. Mm. Um, again, un- unapologetic, very um, unapologetic. But yeah, yeah, you you talk about the the simplicity of 
of Marvin Gaye wearing a beanie and a t-shirt and jeans and and looking amazing and that that's that's one of the things that like drives me nuts sometimes um with musicians it's like you're wearing a t-shirt and a jeans but it's not looking amazing you know like you you don't have to go crazy you don't have to wear a suit you don't have to like go nuts you don't have to be something that's not you but you can look good you can look good wearing just about anything um it's just like a a little bit of preparation a little bit of thinking ahead and in talking with uh, fans of music who are not musicians uh, they will often refer to something visual being the thing that they took away from the concert and like because that's like their way in you know what I mean they'll they will almost always remark about something visual, whether it was like, say they went to a show that like a bigger show that had like a, like a light show. They'll talk about, Oh, the light show was amazing. You know, and, or they go to a smaller concert and they go, Oh, the band looked spectacular. You know, it's always like that. Those like extra musical things, things that are n- not necessarily music, but, add to the overall uh, presentation that really can captivate uh, non-musicians because uh, not everyone has that, that way in that we do. Um, so, yeah, I just think that's important. And, uh, yeah, I always like to get people's people's thoughts about that. And as, as a fashion ambassador of Philadelphia, you know, <laughs> thank you for, for sharing. <laughs> um, but talking about being an, an ambassador, um, you were on tour with, uh, Lauren Talese recently, uh, traveling all over the place with, uh, with, uh, an amazing band. Um, could you talk about, about that experience a bit? Because uh, you, you, y'all were, were jet setting, <laughs> man. Man, just just a, a humbling experience from start to finish. Simply, that 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 was my first time overseas. As well. Oh wow! So, I've been I I've traveled a grip, just in and out of North America, just North America, mm-hmm. just Canada and Mexico, but not overseas yeah so man just just a humbling vibe and and just also humbled to be surrounded by world-class musicians and class acts just on and off the bandstand like instantly that was just you know we, we connected and the chemistry was just very good it's like just so high off the bat and it, it that 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 just generated just the family atmosphere, just right off. Um, musically, man, I learned a lot. I learned I learned a lot within the within the the unit, as well as just in the in the scene in China as well. Um, 
to talk about that, to talk about the China scene is very different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, very different. Um, it, 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 at first, it was kind of hard to get a, a feel and to get a grasp for the vibe of the city. But as soon as, but the more the more we played, the more we played, the more we played for the people, the more of a vibe and the more of a sense I got. It was like, okay, there's definitely some music appreciators. Because at first it was kind of it was kind of stiff. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not even I'm not even gonna lie to you, but um, it's a different thing there in terms of jazz and the appreciation of jazz. It's it's a lot of appreciation for jazz and for the the American art form and wave of jazz and how that's portrayed. So it was interesting to take in their their views and their perspectives on it. Um and just culturally too, just being surrounded by a lot of Chinese influenced music all day. That inspired me to take it back to the States and just, you know, go forth, you know, with anything I had creatively in mind. Just the 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 admiration was definitely reciprocated both ways. Um, in terms of the unit, man, every night was something special. We we did a residency at the the Jazz at Lincoln Center in Shanghai mm-hmm. for two weeks. Every night, man, I, I think I believe the first week we did a tribute to to Sarah, to Sarah mm-hmm. Vaughan. And then the second week was Nancy Wilson. Preferably for me, like I, I really enjoy playing sideman with singers. I love that. Yeah. I enjoy that so much. Just that interaction with the horn and the voice. Mm-hmm. Man, it, it, it's, it's very special. It's very special. To me, I can relate to the vocalist and I can relate to the drummer. That's my personal connection. Mm. Um man just learning something new every night just particularly learning how miss lauren just takes hold of the audience and she learns she she knows how to captivate the audience so mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. man and following her lead like i was very honored very 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 honored just musically in terms of professionalism in terms of stage presence, in terms of interaction with with the audience as well as amongst ourselves and the band, having a great sense of direction <laughs> in terms of where to go musically on the bandstand. Mm-hmm. Man, just, just all the elements, man. Very, very, very humbled and very thankful. And with the rhythm section, man, you can... Eric Wertham on keys, <laughs> Tyrone Allen on bass, Anwar Marshall on drums. I mean, that's that's all family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Thank you, man. Um, just just world class musicians, and and they 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 know what they do, <laughs> and they do it well. It's all good. And that just exerted just a certain, well, not a certain amount. It it, it just gave me all the freedom in the world to to express myself musically. Just to have that palette of musicians together, <laughs> all, all all at the same time on the stage together, man, we 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 created magic every night. So very cool. The, the yeah, vibes yeah. were definitely I was, high. I was very, uh, I was like following y'all on 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 the Instagram throughout that, and that's 
it was really cool to see see Philly all all uh, international. And uh, you mentioned um, your affinity toward the vocalist and the drummer. Uh, a question I ask a lot is, and it takes kind of different forms. Uh, sometimes I ask it as, if you could play another instrument in your next life, um, what would it be? Or uh, a, a more interesting version of that question I think is what is another instrument that you think has um, a lot of commonalities with your own that are, that might be overlooked by most people. Um, But yeah, however you choose to answer the question is fine, but some, something along those lines, like what, what's another instrument that's like, you have like a connection, like a real deep connection to, um, and and why? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> speaking speaking on the um, the voice, you know, the vocalist and the drummer. I I, I guess you know, singing and, and and playing drums. For sure, for sure. Um, before I played sax, I was playing djembe. Mm. A lot of people don't know that about myself. I I played djembe, like way young like I was like five because <laughs> as I mentioned earlier my father he's he's an African drummer so I learned that and I got that under my grass and I was just surrounded by that just all the time and like a horn or like a vocal a vocalist the drums can speak as well so profoundly in many different ways. Like, I feel like if, if, if you, if a drummer can convey his message through his acts, I feel like that's, that's deep within itself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because more times than not, the, the, the harmonic instruments and chordal instruments, you, you, of course, by default, they're more prone to, con, to convey more of a harmonic message but a rhythmic message by allowing the drums to speak to you man that's that's that that's a that's another wave that's just another level of 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 storytelling through your acts so Mm -hmm. definitely drums uh vocals man (laughs) i love to just sing randomly Mm. um Man, I, I I I I sing a little bit, but I'm not I'm not that that proficient. But I I man, I I always envision myself just when I was younger too. Even now, I always envision myself just getting on the stage and just singing my heart out. Uh, just man, just just belting away at any song and in any capacity and any genre. Um, I play vocoder as well. So I'm start I'm starting to get more and more deep into vocoder, so e- e- even if I feel a little insecure about my my actual singing, <laughs> at least yeah. there's a, there's room for the vocoder to express that as well. So yeah, man, that's just another uh, that's that's just another outlet for me. And relating it to the horn, you know, I I feel like the horn and the horn is a voice, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? 
the horn yeah. is a voice. And and I try to sing to whatever genre capacity that I'm in as much as I can and not just focus on the technical aspects of playing, but also have that element of the voice. Hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, Storytelling keeps popping up as, as a theme here. You've mentioned it uh, a number of times. Um, wh- what are some like basic guidelines for telling a story through music or, or like if, like it's say you're listening to, to a piece of music and you're like, yes, this is telling a story. Like, what is it about it? That's telling a story. Or if you're listening to something that is not telling a story, you know what I mean? Like, could you deconstruct, um, musical storytelling from your perspective a little bit? Of course. Honesty. I think, Honesty. That that's that's the first word that comes to mind. Man, it, 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 and there there can be. You you can convey a message, with a lot of notes. But you can't convey honesty, with a lot of notes. I feel I feel like it it is, you know you know the phrase it's not what you play it's what you don't play, mm-hmm. or it's not about what you play but the rest in between what you play so that that i feel like that message really holds power within itself especially when it comes to storytelling within the music i mean shoot lester young man he 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 didn't have all the technical chops in the world that more modern players had today or even back in that time but every song was just honest like he didn't have to force anything it was just so effortless. Ben Webster, Billie Holiday, Ella, and the same thing about what I just said about the horn and the voice. They were vocalists. They were extreme vocalists that told stories through their horn. Louis Armstrong, like especially that that era, that that whole era was probably the most honest time. Mm. Nat King Cole. They're going back to Nat King Cole. Man, just just, just having a sense of knowing what to play and knowing how to convey that message of storytelling in what you play and having that control instead of just going on auto- autopilot and just playing whatever. That element, man, if, if you had control over what you play, you you will tell your story in your way as honestly as you possibly mm-hmm. can every time. So I try to have that mindset in the back of my mind every time and not get so caught up because we're prone to it. Musicians are really prone to just going off the rip on autopilot and just mm-hmm. not coming back down, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's common. It, it's very common. But the more, the more we tap in into that 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 other side, that emotional side, that, that, you know, that, that, that side of, okay, I don't have to play a lot to convey what I'm trying to say. That's, it's, uh, it's, it just, that, that, that element of honesty is definitely, definitely got to be prevalent. Um, Mm. yeah, I, I think that's, that's pretty much it, you know, for me, just, yeah, 
having that having that honesty and just being patient with what you're trying to say because mm. everything will come to you you know if, yeah. if we are if we're always at 100 where's the rest of the room to go you know yeah you know, like we have to take a, you know what i mean just give a little you know take take a little give a little you know mm-hmm. take some leave some so <laughs> you just you can give 65 or you can give 70 and you can just let the rest of the percentages just come to you naturally mm. you know if a painter has a canvas it's like I'm not gonna block the whole canvas with paint you know I'm gonna start with an idea I'm gonna go here and I'm gonna just let the ideas just flow naturally I might stay with this color for a long time then I might switch it up to this color I might use this shape. I might use this figure. I might go back to that color. You know, the room, the room will come. Mm-hmm. You know, the room will come, and as long as you allow that room to come to you, the 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 more, the more room there is, and the more of a margin it is, for that honesty to come out in your playing, in 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 your music. Very cool. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, kind of as we wrap up a little bit, I'd like to focus in on uh, some of your projects, uh, specifically Omar's hat. Um, uh, I feel like that is like a really great um, representation of kind of all the things that you do, all the things that uh, all those uh influences kind of coalescing into into one thing um so if you could uh, speak a little bit about about that group and what it is you guys do and where you guys do it and uh anything that might be on the horizon to um maybe plans for after after all of this is past or absolutely or, or something, something, <laughs> something like something, that. <laughs> something, exactly, exactly, right. Something, <laughs> whatever, whatever that something looks like. Yeah. In in, in the near future, um, yeah, man. Omar's hat. Just a great eclectic group of guys and 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 gal, and gal. But um, you know, Omar's hat is not just the the the, the unit that we had. Omar's hat is a big collective. Mm-hmm. Omar's hat is the collective of musicians that's come out to our jams and that's played within the confines of our sound, but it's also the community and the people that come out and support Omar's hat. You know, Omar's hat is is the people that haven't heard about Omar's hat that wants to learn more about Omar's hat, that wants to learn more about what we do. It's it's. Man, I, I I don't think I've ever been a part of a band that's so open in that regard, but it's also just it, that's just down to just spread good vibes and just enjoy it through the music. You know what I mean? And not worry about anything technical or anything, you know, that that might hinder from just the sole purpose of just bringing good music, bringing good vibes through good music just man and 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 the great thing about it the humbling thing about it is just that everyone in the band holds their own weight so beautifully 
and it's just everyone has a a very unique element of their own storytelling. Everyone comes from different backgrounds within the same background, I feel like, within Omar's hat. But within the differences in our lifestyle, we all come together and it's like, wow, we each have something very unique and specific to say individually that when we come together, it's very euphoric. It's just, it's like, okay, this is what we can come up with. And and seeing the progression of Omar's hat, well, let me, let me backtrack. I'm going to give you a brief, a brief overview. Man, it really started kind of like a couple years ago, like 2015, 2016. Uh, a couple of friends of mine who attended the University of Penn, they got together, they started this band, and a few friends were walking past this bar restaurant venue in West Philly called Mescarim on 45th and Locust. And West Philly Omar, rest in peace to West Philly Omar, he was uh, uh, an iconic neighborhood figure in the, in, in the community of West Philly. So he came out and saw two of the band members and he was like, you know, you should, you guys should come in, you know, they looking for live music or, you know, they, they, they looking for a band. So, two of the guys, they went in there and they talked to the owners and it's like, man, and there it is. We got, we had the residency at Mescarim a few years back. And then the transformation of Omar's had just expanded to that, to doing more gigs in the city, to having a, a, a jam session residency at St. Kofa House. And then we recently got the residency each month to do our jams at World Cafe Live. And that started in September of last year in 2019. So I feel like through each phase of Omar's hat, we've grown, we've grown as musicians, but as well as individuals just going through like a lot of life obstacles together, but also individually. So you can hear it within the progression of each phase in Omar's head because I felt like I think this is like five years going on five years of Omar's head now just mm-hmm. we would start out and then some of us would be on tour or some of us would be out of the country or leave for a little bit then it would die down get back together and die down again but um I think now we're at a we're at a very very beautiful and unique point where it's like where we we're back together and it's only it, it it's for it's for a greater and deeper purpose right now to know that one every time that we come together it's always great and positive feedback coming back to us like man like we got to keep this going <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it, it and it, it just to hear that just to hear that brings a, a, a another wave of motivation and another wave of joy just to like keep this thing going you know and really getting serious I, I think after the first jam that we did starting our residency at World Cafe it was like okay it's just, just the turnout that turnout alone is just like okay alright we, 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 we need to do this thing for real like we, we all love each other and we're all here for a purpose and we've been doing this thing for a while but 
just to know that we ha- we can have that impact on the city mm. and for people to acknowledge us and show us love, it gives us the motivation to just keep going. Yeah, I feel like that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with uh, with great albums and um, when 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 there's a higher purpose or something that makes it bigger than the sum of its parts um that's something very special and i I feel like the same thing goes with with groups or or collectives or uh bands uh when you have a situation where all of those uh or everything's uh kind of pointing in the in the same direction everyone's kind of focused towards the same same thing and everything's like you know in positivity and personally and um then you get start to get some some bigger things that are just bigger than just oh we did we played a good gig you know i mean you start to get and and that's a special thing that um i feel especially in 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 jazz can can be rare you know with so many just like kind of one-off type gigs and you know with the hustle um that that can get lost or um those kinds of opportunities get can be rare so you know that's just all the more reason to to make the most of it and um so do you do you all have any anything uh any like recording plans or anything like that you can speak of do well (laughs) we well our our projected vision was to have an Omar's Hat EP mm-hmm. in in the later part of 2020, mm-hmm. but you know, given the circumstances, we, we, yeah. we don't know. <laughs> we we, yeah. we do not know how that is gonna pan out. But we did release a band single on Bandcamp on Friday, and I believe it's still up. Um, the tune is <laughs> rightfully titled "Divine Timing." Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Find that on Bandcamp. Um, I think you can purchase it. You can still purchase it for as low as two dollars. I think so. And that and that was just we we released it on Friday because Bandcamp. I think I'm I'm not sure if you're you're hit to this, but Bandcamp. Uh, they raised they uh they lifted the artist revenue share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. all the proceeds just went straight to the artist. Yeah, I I I I love Bandcamp. I, I think it's a great resource and even when they were taking you know even when they do take a cut it's still like the smallest cut of all of the the things you could do. You know what I mean? It's like way smaller than like Apple Music and iTunes and it's like and yeah, Spotify is like <laughs> Spotify is kind of a joke, but uh you know, um but yeah, I think Bandcamp is 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 a great uh, thing. I'll put I'll put a link up to that in the in the podcast notes, so people can can go that way and check it out. Um, so do do you have any um, kind of uh, recording project or or uh, other kind of goals for just, just like, like for you? you? Me personally, man. Yeah, yeah. Coming soon. That's all I can say. Coming soon. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I, I've, like I said, did this 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 time in in this quarantine, and 
I have all the time in the world to really dive in and tap in into my personal ideas. And I'm just mm-hmm. slowly being patient and just waiting for everything to come to fruition very soon. So Very cool. I I, I look forward to that. And uh, maybe whenever that comes out, you'll be back on the show again. Okay, um, and, uh, that would be cool. Talk, talk um, about music, man. It's, it's uh, pleasure. Yeah, before we, before we uh, say goodbye, uh, could you tell tell the listeners like uh, where where they can find you? What's the best way for them to to interact with you on 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 the web? Absolutely. Um, I'm on Facebook. You say Faraha Ali. That's Y E S S E H. My last name Faraha Ali. F U R A H A hyphen A-L-I I'm also on Instagram at Yesay underscore Ali at Y-E-S-S-E-H underscore A-L-I um, SoundCloud I'm also on SoundCloud just type in my name Yesay for Ali uh, YouTube uh, type in my name again uh, yeah uh, that's that's all where you can where you can find me at very cool. Yes, A. Thanks for taking the time to to hang out with me and uh, talk talk about music, man. It's, it was a pleasure. Pleasure's mine, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Voice Equals Power podcast. For me, this series is a labor of love. My goal is to help document the making of jazz history in this moment. If you have any suggestions about who you would like to hear on the show, drop me a line. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, your voice is your power.